the cars are. My dad worked for GM. Detroit is just a vacuum of, of, of dumb. Let's do a little role play like we do. You're not the kind where I'm the pool guy. I'm though. in. Yeah, no. I think I've already dropped three expletives and we're not 30 seconds in. I should get to have a parrot if I also have to have a hook or an iPad. It's yeah. an automotive show here. Let's move on. Here's the cars are. Time to turn it on. Welcome to the Cars Are Podcast. Uh, where do we even begin? Sometimes I found a, a playlist on Apple. It's called Dad Rock. I'm officially old enough to say that I subscribe now. Take a second off from life and go, just sing with me. Ready? The Sharif does not like it. Welcome to the Cars Are Podcast. I am Doug Browner. Oh, where to begin? Uh, I don't even know. I don't even know. I, I mean, for, for 30 years, I have made a career, you know, talking about what's topical. And I, I can remember prepping for shows. I'll, I'll put some of these pictures. We have them um, of a crew of like 30 of us before a television show crammed around a conference table going through reams of data and saying, hey, what do you want to lead with? And, oh, that's a little weak for the B block and we should have something better. And, you know, kind of searching for something to talk about. I swear on all that's holy, if tonight at 735 I get up to go get an ice cream bar, which I will because that's part and parcel of being an old fat man. And a donkey flew out of my ass and ran across the house. I would just look at it and say, well, of course that happened. Why wouldn't it happen? <laughs> I think, the, by the way, I think the president just drove by and, and, and insert beep, beep. I just waved. I, he's, he's, he's been, he's, he left Walter Reed. He's now on a road trip tour in his hermetically sealed Cadillac. <laughs> I don't even know where to begin, but I do appreciate you, our listener, and uh, we'll get to it and get to it quickly. These are the automotive headlines. These are the things that you need to know and only the things that you need to know. A story that caught me flat-footed by surprise, widely reported and now confirmed that Les Schwab Tire Centers, that is the parent company for Les Schwab. Think of all the Les Schwabs you've seen, not only in California, but in Oregon and in Washington. Over 520 stores they have. They have that's a lot of stores. Well, the family-owned company that was started by the old guy himself, Les, uh, has been sold. And it's been sold not to a company that's in the automotive industry. It's not been sold to an individual. And no, it wasn't sold to me. It was sold to an investment group. <laughs> we'll talk about that in a second. The first thing I want to remind everybody, for those of you who are old enough, and when I first arrived in California, this cracked me up because I think it was in February. I don't know. There was, and, and if I'm wrong on this, uh, you know, shoot me an IM or email me or get on Facebook. But if you bought tires from Les Schwab in the month of February, he gave you meat. 
like just meat. Like they had a freezer. And, and they were like, oh, you got tires? Here's some meat. Now, I don't know what kind of meat it was. I mean, I don't think it was like great meat. But and I don't know whether that came from the Western roots or whatever. Well, they gave away the meat, all right, for an undisclosed amount of money. Uh, Les Schwab is now being sold or has been sold. That deal will close uh, relatively soon. Um, Ten different states they operated. And uh, even though that officials with Les Schwab are now saying that any new owner would not break up the company um, and that its headquarters would remain in Bend, Oregon, um, I will tell you this. I know this company a little bit. And in fact, they were once an advertiser. And if you go to Les Schwab, it's kind of an interesting culture. First of all, I've never seen a man or a woman of color working in a... Les Schwab. It's almost like, it's almost like, you know, an alt-right tire shop. That always bothered me. And they always have crew cuts and they run at you. It it always seemed very weird. It always like very clean cut. And I ran a clean company for a long time. It it was just cult-like to me. And I always felt a little bit like that. But the one thing I learned when I was pitching once, and I was in a room with like 30 store managers, and we were trying to get them to advertise on the radio. They ended up telling me no, by the way. They thought I was too um, edgy. Um, That a guy slipped, a guy who managed a store, and he said, we are not in the tire business. That we're in the real estate business. And that the whole concept, the retail concept for Les Schwab was not about selling tires. That's not where they made their money. It was on the acquisition of uh, distressed properties upon which they could build their stores and then use the equity in those properties to buy more property. And it was really a real estate company. And lo and behold, we have the family of Les himself selling out. What does that mean? Well, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not a, you know, a business journalist. I'm not an investment journalist, but I'm a car guy. I would expect over the next year, you'll begin to see a change in not only the amount of Les Schwab stores, but in their business practices, of which if I was really in a bad mood, I would talk about because I think some of them are a little nefarious. They've never been, they've never been a place that I would wholeheartedly recommend. I think they're very sales-oriented. That's always been my problem. Uh, Les Schwab, that's the title, sold to a California investment group. I think the investment group wants to divvy up their assets, including the real estate, or use the real estate. But if you think Les Schwab's going to be the same company uh, a year from now than it is today, you are, um, you're just uh, naive. Um, they're selling out, getting out, and that's that. So, um, look buying tires, it's so basic. I I will tell you this, Costco does a really good job with tires. Their technicians are well-trained and they sell that there's so little margin in tires. That's why every time you go to like a Firestone or a Goodyear, they try to sell you shocks and brakes when they sell you tires. They're making almost nothing on the tires. That's why you want to go to somewhere like Costco. And I hate Costco. No, seriously. I'm not a big Costco guy. I mean, who needs 19 pounds of the brightest and greenest bell peppers you've ever seen in your life? Nobody. But they do do a good job with tires. Another indicator that things are changing economically is that when we look at predictions, we look at indices 
of uh, it's like a weatherman predicting the five day forecast. Well, I, I like to look at certain automotive indices and say, where are we going to be as an automotive industry five, six, seven, eight months from now? I don't want to be all doom and gloom, but more bad news coming out of the finance end of the automotive industry, an all-time high on auto loan delinquencies. An all-time high. That, that Let me just put it in another way. More people right now, as you're listening to this, are behind on their car loan than in the history of car loans. 6.2% now officially delinquent and at risk of having their car repossessed. That's a lot. I mean, that's what happened during the economic crisis back in a way when we looked at mortgages, right? We predicted that economic bubble bursting when we looked at home mortgage delinquencies. And it's even worse because let me tell you, if you're going to choose between paying one bill over another, you're going to pay your rent or you're going to pay your mortgage. And then you're going to buy food and pay your cell phone bill. And maybe fourth in line might be your car payment. But it's down there below those other things. And that's bad news for the auto industry. It's going to cause new car sales to plummet even further. And that business is in dire dire shape, and it's going to cause a little bit of a glut, possibly on the used car side. That's a good thing, because there are very few used cars out there. Um, And that's the only upside of repossessions, and I hate to say it, that one man's, um, you know, trash is another man's treasure, but it really is true, and um, I feel badly, but it is an indicator that times are tough. I mean, heck, look at the unemployment. Look what COVID has done to families, not only across California, but across the country. And all of a sudden, that big new Chevy or Ford truck that they bought is all of a sudden a lot more expensive than they were than it was when they bought it. And that's a big problem. And it's a problem that is going need to that needs that needs to be fixed. I don't know how that's going to happen. The government's very, very reticent to um, offer any additional stimulus. I don't want to get political, but I'm going to take a quick break. When we come back, we are going to talk about Ford Chevy trucks, which really is the better. And is it time to buy a truck? You might be surprised at my answer. Before we do that, we tell you that this part of the show is brought to you by Mr. Motorhome. A lot of you looking for campers. Mr. Motorhome's got them. Don't go anywhere. Part two of the Cars Art Podcast next. Mr. Motorhome and the Guard Puppies here to invite you to Mr. Motorhome's sizzling summer sale going on right now. 272 of the gentlest used RVs you've ever seen. Highway 99, Elk Grove Boulevard, and visit MrMotorhome.com. Welcome back to the second half of the Cars Are Podcast. I'm not going to lie. I liked him better when he was Johnny Cougar. John Cougar, man, you you took the name. You let the the record company bully you into it. You're obviously a bitch. It's not my name. I'm John Mellencamp. Anyway, I need a lover won't drive me crazy. Welcome back to the show. I'm Doug Browner. You know, there's been something going on in the automotive industry for about a year now. I haven't really talked about it because uh, when I'm at dinner parties, I'm kind of a bore and people don't like me anyway. But it's been going on. And I, I, I lately, 
I've been catching some people's attention with uh, what's happening. Um, the trucking industry is changing so quickly right before your eyes. First of all, two things we're going to see in the next 6 to 12 months here in Northern California. First, robotic delivery of uh, food. I don't care what party you're affiliated with, who you believe, uh, what you it doesn't matter. It makes no sense for companies like DoorDash, Postmates, Uber, Lyft to have people driving their vehicles. That's why these companies make no money. They only make money if they can get rid of the human. That's what they were premised on. And that's why these companies are so valuable. It's not for the money they're making now, which is none. It's for what they could potentially make if they get the driver out of the vehicle. And a lot of companies have introduced devices that can do just that. Um, and they're going to do them by little, think of it like a robotic igloo cooler. So you call Postmates and you offer up that Popeye's uh, fried chicken sandwich. Have you had that, by the way, Matthew? That thing's insane. He's nodding his head. Did he give you the poops? No? Because I had Popeye's once that gave me the poops for like a lot. Like I was pooping for like a month. But I had the sandwich and I'm telling you, it was delicious. The Popeye sandwich is quite better than I, I, almost anything I've ever eaten. I, I couldn't get enough. I'm just saying. If you're going to go to Popeye's, all right, I'm getting wrapped. I'm, I'm just saying, the Popeye sandwich is damn good. I don't get paid by Popeye's, although I would take a sandwich right now. Let's say you order up a Popeye sandwich and you want DoorDash to bring it to you. What's going to be happening in the next six to 12 months is a robot. Sort of, a, think of it, like I said, an igloo cooler on wheels with an antenna is going to pull up to your door or near your door, and it's going to send you a text and says your Popeye's outstanding uh, chicken sandwich is here. Please come out and get it. And then you'll access a code and you'll lift the lid and it'll be there. But that's just the first step. The trucking industry is going to begin to automate itself. And they're also going to get rid of their diesel fuel. We are already overburdened. We have so much gas, we don't know what to do with it. Let me just tell you this. I, grew, I was a kid in the 70s where we used to run out of gas. People didn't have any gas. We have so much natural gas, so much raw petroleum, crude, that at one point it was selling under it was devalued, meaning it was worth negative. There are ships that are parked in the Gulf of Mexico in, in Louisiana that can't offload. There's nowhere to put this stuff. And it's because we've really lowered our dependence on foreign oil. And we're producing a lot of oil because of our partnerships with Canada and the pipelines that come out of Canada directly to our refineries here in the States and through fracking. And now the trucking industry wants to kill its fuel costs, which are a big part. What's the second most expensive part of a truck? The driver. So you take away the driver, you take away the diesel costs, you're looking at profit, baby. And all of a sudden, these things are possible. What you'll see in the next few years on major, and I want to say, I want to emphasize major freeways, like maybe an I-5 or an Interstate 80, interstates. A dedicated lane, think of an HLV lane, that is not uh, that will not allow cars to be in it. Instead, what you'll have are trucks, and they will not have a driver. They'll be fully autonomous, and they'll be driven by somebody to control headquarters, and they're going to be electric. Although one company is now saying that they're toying with the idea of battery electric versus a hydrogen fuel cell on board that 
could create electricity which would power the truck. Now, how what kind of range are we talking about? About 300 miles, 350 miles now we think. But here's the rub. These truck stops are going to be transformed. And the truck will know when the batteries are getting low. It will merge itself appropriately and safely off the freeway. It will get to a truck stop and it will get in a battery exchange lane. It'll pull over a pit. An automated process will remove the discharged batteries through a robot and then install a freshly charged battery. And that truck will then hit the road again. You realize the federal government limits the amount of time any truck driver can spend driving. They have to take breaks. Electric trucks don't. They'll drive 24-7, and they're going to line them up nose-to-nose because they'll be computer-controlled. They won't pass you. You won't have to pass them. They won't all be in the number four lane. I mean, I'm telling you, this is coming, and it's coming quickly. The only big thing they have to get over is consumer reaction and some tort issues or, or civil issues like if the driverless electric truck were to get into an accident, you know, how are the lawyers going to fix blame, something like that. But the bottom line is this. If you think for one second that this isn't coming to where trucking companies, do you know what this is going to, how much this will lower the cost of goods and services and how much of a glut of even more fuel we're going to have to deal with? On the East Coast right now, in New Jersey, although New Jersey's facing a 10 cent a gallon gas tax, I think goes into effect this week, but there are parts of the East Coast, gasoline right now is $1.85 a gallon for regular unleaded. I want you to think about that. A buck 85, that's pretty common in most of the US, Midwest. And then think about what you pay for regular unleaded here. That's all taxes. That's your governor. That's your legislature. Are you getting any of that money back? Are, are, are they giving you anything for that? What are you getting for that? I, I don't have any fewer potholes. I don't, I don't have, I'm not driving on air. I'm, I, I got nothing. My registration's higher than it's ever been, and my fuel taxes are higher. We, we, you got to push back at the polls. I'm just saying, any proposition that involves taxation, say no, okay? Watch for more in this truck story. It's fascinating. It's true. And I'm going to keep you um, all way up to speed because I'll tell you, it is so incredibly fun to be living in a time where this is the equivalent where we are now to where farmers were 120 years ago when um, tractors started to replace donkeys uh, or, or burros or whatever, oxen. I don't know what the hell. I grew up in uh, I grew up in New York. How do I know? If you want more information, you have questions, facebook.com slash the cars are. You want podcasts, you want old video casts, you want vlogs. You want me in a thong? <laughs> so what? Why was it? Why did somebody just throw up in their mouth? Facebook.com slash the cars are the cars We'll have more for you next week. Until then, wear a mask. Know that I love you. Stay safe. And I know that you need a lover that won't drive you crazy.